Hello, I'm Joel Nelson, and this is the Joel vs. Arthritis podcast. Um, hello, and welcome back to the Joel vs. Arthritis podcast. I'm delighted to welcome our first ever guest on this um, sort of new venture. Um, Will is joining me today, and he's a good friend of mine. We go back years. Um, we used to play hockey together and, and sport and endeavours. And um, today's pod will be very much a mental health themed one. Um, and as per previous um, recordings, this isn't going to be too formal. Um, very much wanted to feel like two friends chatting in a bar, which wouldn't that be nice right now? Um, but I, <laughs> I find this format helps with the topic, um, especially one such as today's. So, um, Will, thank you very much for joining us and um, and agreeing to be my first ever guest and guinea pig for new format as I record this in two different ways. Um, so thank you for agreeing to that. Um, do you want to sort of tell us a little bit about yourself, um, sort of what, what you do for fun and, and everything else? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, you asked the one thing you said ahead. One thing you said ahead of this was to sort of think about how, what I might, um, how I might describe myself in yeah. uh, if I had to post on Twitter. And I was thinking about this. How could I sum up myself professionally and also kind of what I do in my spare time and stuff? And the one thing I kept coming back to was um, a jack of all trades and a master of none. <laughs> so from a professional point of view, I, I not so long ago, I retrained as a, a teacher. And obviously you've got the op- opportunity to say whether you're going to be a, whether you want to go for the secondary or whether you want to go for the primary. And I, I didn't really feel that I was um, good enough to be um, a secondary school teacher because I didn't think I was good. I didn't have any particular subject that I was good enough at. So I went for primary because then you just do everything. And then when that comes then to uh, that quote with regards to my personal life, um, again, as you said, you know, we've, we've known each other through a sporting background, but I, you know, played hockey, basketball, um, cricket, tennis for school. And then in terms of other bits and pieces, you know, in fact, when we moved house, um, our removal guys said to my wife, they said, how many hobbies has your husband got as they were unpacking the mountain bike, the road bike, the fishing rods, the bodyboard, the, the the beer making kit, the what, you know. So, yeah, that's how I'd kind of um, describe myself. Um, I'm a bit all over the place. I just got loads and loads of interest. So, uh, yeah. I think anyone who knows me would probably say the same. <laughs> very much. I'm throwing myself into something 100% and I get bored and move on quickly. But, you know, you only have one life and all that. So you might as well try a few things. Um, yeah. I'm glad you remembered the um, the tweet thing. Some I asked somebody once, like, how do you get people to ease themselves into this sort of thing when, um, you know, because it can be quite daunting. I had somebody ask me on an interview, um, tell us about yourself, and I literally didn't know where to start. I froze. And someone said to me, why don't you think about what you would put in a tweet? Because one, it helps you sort of like, condense it to the stuff that really matters to you but I don't know it somehow makes you think about the question differently so now I always remember that for all these sort of things I'm doing these days because I'm not a natural at any of this um but I do find it helps so um, thank you for remembering it <laughs> that's all right <laughs> um so what I was gonna let's let's jump straight in the deep end do you want to share a little bit about your experiences with with mental health obviously whatever you're comfortable with but um you know I suppose high level if if that sort of eases things in um sort of you know why we're here talking today i suppose a little bit i mean i'm quite happy to to be um to talk quite openly about it because and this is one of the one of the reasons i wanted to 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 join you and, and do this because i think the most important thing is to to talk and and through talking we have that greater level of understanding so 
for me personally, when I um, look back, my actual issues kind of started when I was in primary school. And it all started when um, one of my um, school teachers, I was in year three, and one of my school teachers actually called my mum and said, um, I think you need to take Will to the doctor um, because he is in and out of the toilet every five minutes. Literally every five minutes he's asking to go to the loo. So back then in the in the sort of um, uh, late 80s, early 90s, it was, you know, my, my I think my teacher was just worried I had a urine infection or something, you know. Yeah. So I went to the doctor. Oh, there's nothing wrong with him. He's fine. And that was it. Nothing else was done. Um, whereas now being a primary school teacher, I know that the support from our young people now uh, is there would have been a referral to a wellbeing hub or the school nurse. But no. So I then struggled through primary school um, with you know, being they just put it down to being a very nervous child. And yeah, I, I went through primary school basically now realizing that I was just unbelievably anxious about everything. Um, and then it kind of went away. And that came with the move to high school, the change of setting, um, me getting into sport in a wider level, and that sport through sport, I gained confidence. Uh, and also through music as well, um, because I, I, I played um, uh, a number of instruments. My, my main instrument was a clarinet, clarinet and I was in performances and I was involved in drama and all those things came together and it kind of went away. And then um, all the way through university, no issues until my mid 20s. And um, for no. At that time, for no particular reason to me, it reared its ugly head again. And. again weirdly um it, it, it revolved around a number of things i became very anxious about going places where i um would travel uh what i was full of a lot of what ifs what if the car breaks down what if i don't make it on time what if i can't find somewhere to park i also found that um uh, situations where um i might feel trapped so sitting in the middle of the in a middle row at the cinema or, or I found churches really tough, right? Churches yeah. where you're sat in a pew and, and, and it's those situations where it might be deemed socially awkward or unacceptable to want to get up and leave. And that added a load of pressure on. So again, it was kind of, and again, for me, weirdly, and it's completely irrational, my kind of um, anxiety was was also based around what if I need the loo? And, and when you're in that kind of um, fight or flight situation um the one thing you feel like you need and i was it was that kind of for me it wasn't oh, i kind of need the loo i felt desperate for the loo all the time and it's really uncomfortable it was just really uncomfortable and the one where people and other times just feeling of fear mm -hmm. for no reason and and the one way i tried to describe it to someone once was i said imagine to yourself that Imagine a time when you were really scared, I don't know, on a roller coaster just before you know you're about to drop um, or something like that, that that moment in that fight or flight response. And then I said, turn the, the sound volume up on that like it's mm -hmm. on full volume and be like that all day. Yeah. And it's absolutely exhausting. So, you you know, you're mentally fatigued um and and it is exhausting and because it's when you try and explain it and because it's not a, a broken leg or something that they can you know you can fix with a plaster and some pins and a metal plate or whatever 
lots of people can struggle to 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 get their head around that and i also struggled personally because i like to think that i'm a fairly rational and um, fairly intelligent person <laughs> and that my subconscious was taking control of me and and i just genuinely i got to a point where in fact um i i um missed um there was an event that i a big event for my, my dad that i was meant to go to and i said i can't come i can't yeah. do it so i was starting to miss opportunities and not do things because of my of my anxiety um and uh yeah it got to the point where um i also then um really got very very down with it um and it was at that point that i decided i, I had to i had to do something because it was taking over my life more and more and having more and more of a negative effect not just on me but my people the people around me my wife and, and my family uh, you know my mum my, my, my dad my sisters you know um so yeah and that was the point that i decided to try and seek some help so it sort of felt like a single moment rather or an accumulation i suppose but that that one individual moment probably was the build up it was a build up over time and just seeing how it was getting worse and how it was i was just i was fed up kind of in some parts of my day some parts of my life were per perfectly fine other parts were completely um other things that other people could do excuse me were out of bounds to me mm -hmm. you know i i'd stopped doing things i couldn't enjoy things because i was so anxious and unhappy in those moments um, and it, i couldn't see uh, um you know, it got pretty dark at points and, and I couldn't see a way out of it, really. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, it was starting to make me quite unwell. So, yeah, I, I was nodding yeah. along to a lot of that because um, and then one point might have um, smiled, but that was a, a sort of relatable smile because it was um, I won't name them because I'm, I'm sort of their permission prior. But I've got a family member that had a very similar thing. And the bit that really resonated with me was when you said about like the church because um, my graduation ceremony was in a massive cathedral and this person just was terrified at the thought of the same thing if they're in the middle of a row they need the toilet it was all around going to the loo and if what if they needed to get out and the way we helped with that is they actually traveled there um, a couple of days before with a friend like a day out so if they could at least go in look around see where the exits were and and they felt terrible. So it's crazy. It's no, if that's what you need to do to work through it, because what's the alternative? You avoid it, and it's another thing on that they got tossed on that pile that you know something that passed you by. So um, so yeah, I can very much <laughs> relate to that. Um, so I suppose um, at the time when I suppose you talked a little bit there about when you were younger, how the support wasn't there compared to what you see now working in education. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about sort of the support you had available at the time when you went to seek help compared to what was sort of missing, I suppose, through all of those years, just as a bit of a comparison? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the biggest break. So what I did was um, I um, I actually went to the doctor to start with. And uh, actually, my doctor initially was it was it was quite a shame because I came away feeling like he hadn't helped me at all. Mm -hmm. uh, he, I, I said, I'm really struggling. And he gave me, he, he didn't help me at all. Um, and I came away and thought, no, no, I can't 
not do anything about this. So I actually referred myself. So most counties have a well-being, a well-being service and you can do a self um, referral, which is exactly what I did. Um, and you fill out a questionnaire and um, that kind of allows them to triage you in terms of how, you know, how much need you've got there. Um, I won't go into that now. I'm, if you, we can always talk about it another time that that, that process if, if we need to. But no, so I self referred. I referred myself and I went through some CBT, um, which is for cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, but part of those sessions, what was really helpful for me and what was missing when I was a, a child was understanding why I was feeling anxious. And although the process was tough, you know, having to to unpick myself and unpick a bit more and delve into who I was and why I was like that, whilst that was tough, it allowed me to understand why I was the way I was. And with that came acceptance and that acceptance of it and talking about it out loud with someone really helped me to understand, as I said, why I was or why I am like I am. And at the height of the, how difficult it was, why that was happening. And it allowed me to have conversations with people in my family, my mum, my dad and my sisters, because, again, you kind of hide it, you know, and particularly as a guy. And with my thing, you know, it's that embarrassment, isn't it? Because my anxiety revolved around, let's be honest, revolved around needing the loo. I mean, how daft is that? And people, you know, you, people can laugh at that. And you, actually what you've got to do is you, once you've said it, <laughs> there's that relief yeah. um and, and there's so many without interrupting you too there's so many people that are sitting on those issues and not saying it particularly men and i think back you know in the environment we used to know each other and everything anything like anything you divulge it's not only just a sign of weakness and might be the difference between getting picked that week and not or whatever but it's also a joke that'll last forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, and, and, and I had one back, you know, when we, um, and this isn't about me, but just to, to try and sort of, for anyone listening out there that thinks this might be an isolated incident, it's not. Mine was like almost the opposite in that I had anxiety over using the urinals in busy places. So the issue I had is I had a whole world of fear every time I was at a football match, every time I went to rugby match, every time I was out with the boys on a, sport and night out and you're in a busy club and the amount of hours of my life I waited thinking about when to time going in case it was a failed attempt and then essentially I would be in agony for the rest of that night day whatever the event was um so and that's that's sort of same issue but on the flip side of the coin but did we ever talk about it back then together did we hell you know I didn't know you had that you probably didn't know I had mine and 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 that's what talking about it hopefully does it's just for that one person that it, it, it connects with that that feels better about sharing that experience to then tackle it because ultimately i'm sure the same as in your experience is probably the same as mine that issue doesn't get fixed until you start dealing with it unfortunately it, it, it just grows and grows doesn't it yeah 100 percent. and i think you know touching on on, on the kind of us and the sport, uh, the sports, the, the, the groups of friends we had through sports. I mean, yourself being um, both rugby and hockey. And, and um, when I think about those rugby and hockey, I don't know about you, Joel, but did you play? Did you play university hockey? Um, yes, but I didn't last very long because, again, the environment was 
just not something I was compatible with. <laughs> I think I'd done one season and then I sat it out. But but like university university hockey, I, 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 the at my university, the the hockey teams, the the, the men's squads and the rugby squad, they yeah. was quite close. Yeah, and the men's socials. Were I think shared. it's well documented yeah. the mentality and shenanigans of of rugby and hockey university men's squads. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, a lot of bravado, a lot of um, uh, picking on people. Uh, it, it's meant as banter that can have a negative effect. And as you touched on before, like any kind of sign of weakness mm -hmm. and it is honed in on any mistake, any kind of um, mix up a funny story and it will, or, or you do something stupid. And it will follow you around for years. So the idea in, of, of talking, you know, about um, um, oh, um, your mental health issues within that kind of environment, it, you you know, they yeah. were your best, yeah. you know, some of your best mates, but you wouldn't talk about it. And when you think about the mental, coming back to the mentality of things, you know, we play, we've played with people, you know, they they've been told they've been hit, they've been hit with a hockey ball, they've been told to man up and crack on, and have found out afterwards they've got a broken wrist. <laughs> I remember a game, <laughs> I remember a game where, and I think we must have been playing together, but I think we only had one sub, um, and uh, I got hit in the head. And, and and opened my head up I ran into the my, my thought right I've got to get back on you know I, I can't go on. so I ran into the clubhouse got taped up and came back on and it, it's just what you did um you know that's such a valid really... subject at the minute because I'm, I'm a big rugby fan and, and that's such a hot topic at the moment that whole yeah, you know the... bringing in your ATAs but we didn't have them then you know I finished one game on a broken ankle there was one game where I knocked myself out on a five o'clock game um at a university and I was being taken out club and two hours later and I was still seeing stars. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just didn't. And you daren't say no. no, you daren't say I need to go see someone about this. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, it was, it, it just, you don't, you didn't. And so then therefore the, the idea of, uh, you know, after a game, everyone's battered and bruised. Oh, by the way, lads, I need some, I need a sensitive ear right now. You know, it just, it, it, it didn't, but you know, you're right. Um, but now, um, with as I was about to say, many of us would have gone off for for an HI for a head assessment, yeah. an injury assessment. But no, no, you just cracked on with it. You got a golf ball on your head and you crack on. But um, I think the um, the important point there is for anyone that hasn't been in that environment, like we're talking about obvious physical injuries here. You know, like when I broke my ankle, it was clearly broken. <laughs> when you split your head open, it was clearly split open. And we've all got friends that you know bust noses and broke fingers playing hockey in particular, and. And you're thinking, if you don't get any sympathy for a physical injury, you know, one that requires X number of stitches afterwards, what hope have you got of of raising, you know, your concerns? But the, the, the good thing is, I think, you know, talking about sport, I think in professional sport, I think the doors are starting to open slightly with professional sports people talking about mental health. Um, and there have been a number of campaigns and stuff of late with, with that happening. Um, which I can think can only only be a good thing, but I think it's continuing to raise awareness, and it's I think it's also about people feeling confident to take that first step and to ask for help, and, and that's the key thing, really. You know, uh, yeah. 
And and uh, you you mentioned um, CBT and sort of talking therapies. Was there any was there anything else you found particularly helpful when you were sort of going through that journey? I appreciate none of that falls into place overnight, and it's quite a long process. Having done CBT and a few things a couple of times myself, um, do you yeah. find anything else helped um, alongside that? Even if it was something as simple as exercise or you know something. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I mean, for me, the one de stressor I've always had um, has been um exercise uh, and 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 keeping as fit as possible in fact just a f- the one thing that i've found um most difficult um with my job and this current lockdown um you know i had another um instance where you know my mental health kind of took a bit of a drop in the middle of october this uh, last year and it was a culmination of the inability to we were all working so hard at school uh, you know trying to catch up the children from the first lockdown but you know crikey this time last year all the way through Mm. to september and then because of the hours i was working excuse me i didn't have one um we weren't playing any sports you know hockey was shut down um i wasn't able to exercise as regularly as i would like because i've got some injury at the moment um and then a work on top of that. And there was just no release. There, there was no way to let off steam. And I think that's what sport has always done. It's been that complete shut off. And when you're tired, I think as well, sport does do initially when you've been out for a run or a big cycle or you've had a, a heavy training session that initially um, makes you feel tired. So you can get a good night's sleep, you know, restless yep. sleep, a, a restful sleep, sorry. But then the next day you feel energized and it's just those good hormones and those good feelings and those good endorphins that keep you going but I mean other things that have helped me you know um I find that I've got a very busy brain my brain uh, chunch chunters along a lot and just little things like sometimes what's happened helped in the past having a notebook by the bed and, yeah. and noting you know and if I'm awake and I can't sleep note it down shut the book I can I, I know I've noted it down if I need to come back to it I can draw a line under it something else that I've really found quite useful um is um, meditation um and there are many um uh, apps out there um that are um that are great um i find that um listening to meditation um podcasts and uh, i've also found quite helpful in the past and um, there's apps that do sleep stories and stuff like that just to literally plug the headphones in and think of nothing else um so those things have all been have been really helpful strategies for me as well, because I find it very difficult to switch off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's been really helpful uh, and ha- had, a, had a really good sort of calming effect. Um, uh, yeah, that meditation and, and things like um, as in addition to the sport, things like I've been quite enjoyed Pilates. I, I had to do Pilates for, for quite some time because of a back injury but I've continued to do that not only to keep my back in shape but actually it's 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 not intense and it's stretching and relaxing and and that kind of thing so that all those things in addition to the CPT have helped continue to kind of uh, have helped with with the anxiety and 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 that kind of thing you know yeah 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 and I, and I think there's um two points to note on that for anyone who's sort of maybe new to this or people suggested these services and they're a little bit hesitant is that don't judge every experience the same i I myself have had numerous bouts of cbt and the first one went horrifically wrong Um, we don't need to go into details but essentially um 
just didn't work for me. Um, I was given a student psychologist that was still in their second year and I was used as a little, <laughs> if I go too deep, a little bit of a guinea pig. Um, we went to places that CBT shouldn't have gone to and, and it, it didn't work for me. And for a lot of years, that put me off those talk and therapies. Um, I recently just finished, I say just finished, it was the back end of last year um, to help me through the pandemic situation, everything else. And um and that was a totally different experience. And I think the other um, thing to point out with CBT is that it doesn't just like help you in the moment. It equips you with those tools going forwards, which is something I didn't appreciate from my first couple of sort of far from ideal experiences, because they were very much about plugging a plaster over the hole at the time. And it was only when I sort of got a service, I suppose, that worked for me that um it was teaching me all this stuff, like you mentioned, the sleep sort of thing. So I now know, and for anyone who listens to this from a sort of arthritis, chronic pain point of back, background, all of our sleep gets impacted, whether it's pain, mental health issues, you know, there's so yeah. many things that impact our sleep and it's so vitally important to us. Um, and I had a horrendous time with it, but those silly little things like, so now I'll go to bed and if in half an hour it's not working, rather than let my mind go to all them horrendous places that take you away 10 times worse than the position you started in, I'll now get up and try and achieve something. Now, achieve can sound like a bit of a big word sometimes, but it can be just as simple as, you know, prepping a meal for the next day or getting, in my case, a little blog post sort of edited or, and all you like to say, a list, because all of a sudden it's out of here and onto something. Yeah. And, um, and I think that they're really useful points for anyone listening to this that maybe hasn't taken that step towards those talking therapies, but stuff you can do to help you now. And, and yeah, I'll just really hammer home that point that not every experience is the same. It might take a while for you to find what works for you, but when you do, you'll have a tool set that doesn't just help you in the moment, but in your everyday life doesn't it definitely definitely and I'd follow that by saying as well because I've also had um some uh, use some as well as CBT and um, that I accessed through the well-being hub uh, I also had some I spent some time with a counsellor and I think that's very important as well to, to pick up on your point there Joel because you might go to a, a, a counsellor and it's very much um don't be afraid if it's not working for you with that counsellor be open with your the yeah. counsellor that you're using and say, do you know what? This this isn't working for me because you need to find someone that you can work with. And if it's not working, the counsellor is not going to take it personally because counsellors say it will take you a while. Perhaps to maybe I'm not the right counsellor for you. You might need to try a few people. So, you know, I can agree with you more, Joel. Be don't be afraid to to move on if you need to because you will find the right person for you and you'll know when that happens because it will click and and you will really start to see the benefits of that so that yeah you, i couldn't agree with you more there john yeah and 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 my little tell now is that you'll know because by about session two three or four they'll start reading you before you've even finished telling them what, what you've done so for example i got to the point where i knew what i was doing was wrong i just couldn't stop the autopilot joel from sort of enacting it and by about session three or four um i could already tell what they were going to say and they could already tell me how i responded to a situation before i'd finished so um so i think they're the sort of things you're looking out for that sort of um and it's like anything you know two humans can't get on and there might have been no reason whatsoever and it's the same when it comes to professional services um so yeah don't give up if you do have an initial bad experience and and i would also just from personal experience 
seek those services out before you see a doctor and they try to chuck you on medication because looking back in my experience and I know some people obviously need it and I'm not taking anything away from that but looking back I was I went straight down the antidepressant route and then eventually it was become antipsychotic there's some really strong stuff there and it, it it impacted everything whereas looking back at how I handled last year's event and went direct to CBT it probably could have all been sorted out at that point so um so if you are nervous and anxious and there's a lot of stigma that comes with you know medication as there is some of the talking therapies the, the talking therapies are the safest bet you could have you just try if it doesn't work for you then then move on to something else um I don't know what what, what your experience is to sort of that yeah I mean I, I you, you you know I I have a combined I've combined both and and I am still uh, on medication um, at the moment. Um, uh, And uh, as you may, people may or may not know, um, a lot of antidepressant drugs in a smaller dose are used to help with anxiety. So, um, yeah, I have. The one thing that I was very worried about, I never even um, when I had my first round of CBT and stuff, I never even thought about um, taking medication um, because I thought that medication was just purely going to completely just it was just going to cover the problem. But I spoke to a really a really nice doctor and he said to me, look, have you thought about this? And I said, well, no, because I just think it's it's going to be covering the problem and not dealing with it. He said, well, it's not quite how it works. Um, and so um, I, I have um, not going into too deeply into how the drugs work, but it can allow the brain time with, with someone with anxiety. Uh, and as I said, I've got quite a, a brain that keeps going very, very quickly all over the place all of the time. It can just allow those thought processes to, sl- processes to slow down slightly and give you time to think a bit more and, and assess the situation. But no, I, I have found benefits from it. But I do know people who the, the, the medication is not the right way. And I think we keep coming back to the thing. You've got to find what's right for you yeah. and your situation. I think yeah. I think that's the key thing, um, because there isn't a one size fits all because everybody's situation is so different. Um, you know, so I think that's that's really good. But keep talking, keep asking people, what's your experience been like? And the more that people talk to each other, the more resources we will have to touch base with other people. Of course, you want to talk to the professionals. That's where you should always start. But when you've got a network of people around you um, who have had similar experiences, you'll get a good feel for for how they've dealt with stuff. And and that can only help you then um, decide what routes that you might like to go down as well. Yeah, and thanks for that insight. It's really interesting. And I say talking is the key word there because probably the difference from my situation from a lot of people is I didn't speak, hadn't spoke to anyone, not even, not even my partner at the time. I went straight to GP, and then and then like I say that I probably needed to get something shared <laughs> before yeah. I went down that route. And and I think that held me back for a long while if I'd have just if I'd have just talked to somebody. So um, so yeah, that's a very key point you make. Um, I suppose in well we're touching upon talking about how did you find that experience with friends and family and did that help or hinder the situation because i know that's a bit of a hot topic in the mental health world and i appreciate if if you have to be a little bit careful with your answers <laughs> no, I, I don't think i do i think um basically the the uh, i've got a, there's a history of anxiety in my family and one of the things that we found that one of the reasons why i was anxious was my mum's a very she won't mind me saying this you she's a very anxious person she suffers with anxiety herself her mother did my grandmother did too 
And where my anxiety came from was a lot of the time I felt that because my father was away a lot. Um, he, he was um, in the Royal Navy and because he was away an awful lot. I, as a child, obviously I'm picking it apart. Um, I was obviously I was like on high alert because I knew mum was anxious. I was always looking for ways to try and help to, to make things not be difficult for her. So I was kind of on high alert. I kind of took on that responsibility of being having to be the man of the house when dad wasn't there even as a very quite a small young a young boy and and that's where it came from but so my mum was so supportive uh, of me getting help and being open and my sister's just just fantastic and my dad's brilliant as well but when I first told my dad it's it's interesting um we come back to that kind of male initial male kind of response and I said look dad I, I um it really first came up when I had to tell him I couldn't go to this event that that, that was this big event and and I said dad I can't do it I, I, I'm really sorry I can't come because I am just quite frankly scared and I said look I, you know I've, I've got I've suffered with anxiety and and this is a mental uh, a mental health problem for me I, I you know I'm, I'm not very well uh, mentally and, he, and the first thing was you're not mentally ill there's nothing no 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 you you, you, you there's nothing wrong you, you're fine you're fine and it was that classic kind of bat it back and and perhaps he didn't want to kind of think about that because his particularly being kind of navy services but also his i think his generation it was very much a no pull your socks up crack on everything's fine you know you don't you don't show any kind of yeah. weak weakness in inverted commas Word is um, keep no <laughs> yeah uh, but but my no my my family and 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 um my wife um Rianne, just absolutely fantastic and particularly um Rianne, my wife, she she's had to put up with an awful lot and and make a lot of adjustments um, in order for me to be able to work through things and um, and that kind of thing. But no, the initial. But to be fair, we come back to it, Joel. You're probably the first person who I've really talked to in this depth about my anxiety. Mm. So. It's a, it's a telling it's a that's a telling tale in itself, isn't it? Yeah. You say talking it, about friends and fact, I haven't really told I haven't really told friends. And and also the there's levels it. I mean, I, to it. You you think you're talking to people, and then you realise you've crept back into putting it in a box again. You know, and I was very much like that with my physical condition because it would come and go. When it would go, I would be straight back in, but I'd, I'd move around. So a bit like we touched upon at the start. So it's like, all right, everyone at hockey has found out now. I've got this weakness i better start something else so i start rugby at the age of 30 and you know and this sort of thing and it is and you don't realize how much you you think you're talking and obviously you've come a hell of a long way but like you say there is still more you could do to help yourself and unburden yourself from from those challenges a little bit yeah it's been a thick but the thing is you know we're we're on a we're we're from me kind of really recognizing that there was an issue up until now we're talking 15 years in the round, I mean, you no, know, so I was 23, 20, yeah, 23, 24. So in the round of 12 to 15 years, and we're, it's still a working, pro, you know, it's still a working process. It's something I've still got to be mindful of. It's, it's me recognizing as well. And, and I think that's the other side of it that, that when talking to people, getting some help and stuff, you start to recognize where you are and you can step in earlier yeah. to kind of make sure that you are preempting any issues. And what you also do at that point as well, then, is you verbalise it early. Yeah. So before you would struggle on in silence, 
what you can do when you know if told people around you you can flag it and when they understand it's it's a massive um support um to know that again just telling someone do you know what i'm not doing so well right now i don't need you to do anything i just need to tell you i'm not doing so great because that's helped me just yeah. to tell someone yeah. that i'm not as doing as well as i have been over you know you know it's it's important to do that too yeah and and also there are lots of ways like this is something i steal from sort of the chronic pain sort of world i also operate in but there are also ways of having that daily conversation without you know because a lot of people feel like they bore people i know especially like me every day i'll be like saying to my wife back hurts today or this hurts or i'm feeling a bit low and, and you get to that point we think i'm boring myself i don't want to keep sharing it but it's important for you to yeah. tell somebody so one that yeah. it, it, you're sharing it but two it's also um you know you get the support you need but there's silly little things you can do like even like a little traffic light system you know there's some people wear wristbands um so that you don't even have to have that conversation with your partner they know if you're wearing the amber or the red wristband that you're struggling yeah. and they can do what they need to do to help with that and one of the things i plan to do um for when dylan gets a bit older is um almost have like a one to five scale on the fridge so that every day i can come down and whether that's a mental or a physical health thing you you mark it and then straight away expectations are set so right daddy's struggling today so I'm not going to suggest we do X, Y, and Z, or we're not going to all plan a yeah. big day out or whatever. And I think, so there's lots of little things that you can do like that. But I think the important thing just to sort of go back to is that there's two people on this call. Um, and I'm sure there are many more who, who listen to this back. And we both ran into the exact same issues when trying to tell our parents in particular, when it was sort of like a male on male thing. So those <laughs> issues are very much there, but would we change a thing about, you know going through a little bit of um of headache to to share that i, I know i certainly wouldn't you know no, and and, no, and for me and, and everyone's family situation is different for me that's still a bit of a daily battle do you know what i mean I, I i come from a family you know where it's all very much they work with their hands builders <laughs> that they are a stereotypical male on the mental health issues you can probably get and um and there's all sorts of signs in, in the family of elements of mental health but would you dare say that no but i've at least gone past that point of yeah. you know having a lot of drama and aggro at the very start when i started experiencing these things in my 20s to now you know just a simple message from a sibling saying are you okay mate that for me is such a huge step forwards um yeah. in my bubble and someone yeah. else listening out here who might be in that position same position thinking i can't tell my old man that x y and z well Trust me, you work at it and you get to a day when you get a message that says, are you struggling? That yeah. is like yeah. night and day in terms of how much that easier it makes your life. Um, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. But again, come back yeah. to that word talking is the only way you're going to um, you're going to sort of make a change there, isn't it? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the one thing to, to take from if you if you're listening, take from the conversation is that's what we're doing right now having a chat talking about it and and that's that's how you start opening the doors to to finding what's going to work um for you and to to get the support you need um thank you for everything you shared there will it's been absolutely brilliant um oh, no, I, my pleasure my pleasure i suppose a couple of final little questions is um as a sort of it's quite big so maybe not a short answer but like as a sort of society or as individuals what do you think people if there's someone sitting there listening to this who would like to do more to help people like yourself 
what what would your sort of advice be for how they would approach that say that they've got a loved one or someone that they're worried about um is there anything from from the other side of that conversation that you would offer as advice i mean i think the key thing is that if you're noticing that something's not quite right with with someone it's actually sometimes just ask because i think if someone had I don't think in my situation, and again, I can only speak to my, I don't think I would have all of a sudden got all of the, all defensive. I don't think if someone had asked me, said, you know what, Will, there's something not right here. What, what's going on? That question probably would have opened the, opened things up for me. Um, and I think then from that point there, it's listen, because you listen, uh, don't necessarily to, you know, you might not understand it, you might not get it. Um, and I've come across, you know, people who, when you talk to them, they don't get it. They don't understand it. But the key thing is to listen uh, and then support that person in, in whatever um, whatever avenues they go down, because that it's going to be about them and that self-discovery of what's going to work for them. And it's just being there to hold a hand, uh, not necessarily provide any answers, not to try and fix them we we we've got to discover that ourselves so um yeah it, it's don't be afraid if you're, you're seeing someone you think is struggling don't be afraid just to ask the simple question you don't seem quite right what's going on for you right now and just that simple question could open just give that one person it doesn't have to be a family member it could be a colleague at work it could be you know someone you know, in a sports team that you're, you know, or a group that you're part of. And and that could just open the door to them and you being the one person that allows them to talk where they haven't felt they can do have or could have done before. You know, that's what I'd say. Yeah, that's absolutely valuable advice. I, I said to somebody sort of fairly recently that there, there's two there's two steps to supporting someone with mental health. There's 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 the asking if someone's okay, which is fantastic, but also just as importantly as then what you do with the information that they share because all too often people will pay lip service to it and do the whole, are you okay? But then don't like the answer you give necessarily, um, or they don't know how to respond, you know, like our experiences in those early days, people don't know how to respond with that information. And then that can end up setting somebody backwards. So, so I think, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fantastic what you put that whole, ask, you know, ask how you can help, ask the question and then support with what, what comes back from that. Um, and I suppose, the final thing for us to end on then um, that I would ask is if someone's listening to this and they're, they're screaming at their phone or whatever device they're listening to this on saying that's me, <laughs> I'm there, etc. What sort of message of hope would you have for them or sort of any sort of one piece of advice? It is okay not to be okay. And when you have realized for yourself that you are not okay and if you're not okay at the moment there is help out there and as we've said you don't have to necessarily go if you're worried about going to your doctor and sitting face to face with someone and saying it then as i said if you look in in if for your um, county your local area there will be an online way of of just referring yourself which can feel a little bit less intimidating than going into a GP's practice mm -hmm. and having to say, 
I don't really know what's wrong, but there's something wrong with me or what I, I just can't put my finger on it. Whereas when you fill out, you know, those well-being hub referral forms, it asks you questions and you start to already just from that initial point, start to understand what's going on for you. And I did personally feel it, find it less um, kind of stressful and less invasive than having to go to someone face to face and say those words. I was able to, you know, so there are lots of ways of doing this. There's lots of help out there. Um, and a simple Internet search can 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 point you in, in the right direction. Um, but that's that's what there is nothing. It's, it might sometimes feel like all is lost, but it's not. And as I said, it's OK not to be OK. That's brilliant. Thank you. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this now that, that, that can either relate to that or are sort of well on board with that. Um, I will put some links to support um, and NHS sort of websites and everything in the show notes for anyone listening to this that would like to access that or hopefully Will's inspired you to sort of seek out some of those services. Um, but yeah, just massive thank you, Will. Like, you know, I've known you years and there's things on there on that conversation that, that I'm discovering now. So it, it shows you that that talking thing needs to be a lifetime thing um you know and whether that's you're listening to this from a mental health or a physical health point of view i think it applies to both um but yeah just on behalf of everybody that takes anything away from this thank you so much for um giving up your time and and sharing no, thanks, your story. thanks for invite yeah thanks for inviting me because just doing this as well for me has again it's it's another person spoken to it's another another person that i've spoken to about it and and it's part of that process so i yeah thanks for 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 inviting me on joel cheers brilliant thank you will if you've enjoyed this episode please check out joelversusarthritis.co.uk um, for other podcast episodes and articles on mental health chronic illness and autoimmune disease awareness and you can find me on the usual social media platforms at joel versus arthritis thank you for listening <laughs>